Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, church. It is great to see you all today. We're so glad you're here. Two weeks ago, we kicked off an incredibly helpful and practical sermon series called Driving on Empty. And in this series, we are learning how to run our engines more efficiently and refuel our tanks so that we're not always operating on fumes. And I shared with you how I like to refuel my gas tank on my car whenever it gets to about a quarter of a tank and how my wife likes to use her DTE, her distance to empty gauge, to get every drop of fuel possible out of her tank. And we said there are two kinds of people in this world. There are reasonable people like me who like to refuel long before they run out of gas, and then there are crazy people, like some of you, who like to live on the edge. And our big idea for this series is it's better to refill your tank than to run out of gas. I just wonder, how many of you were here for the past two weekends? You've been all in on this series so far. That's awesome. We're happy you're back today. If today is your very first time at FCC, we are so glad you are here too. And so we said two weeks ago, we said it's better to refill your tank than to run out of gas. But of course, we weren't talking about our cars. We were talking about our souls. And what is our soul? Our soul is the sum total of ourselves. Our souls are the essence of who we are as individuals. Think of it like this. We are physical beings, yes? Yeah, you're a physical being, but you're also an emotional being. You're an intellectual being. You're a relational being. You're a moral being. And of course, you are a spiritual being. You are a human being. You're a living, breathing person. You're a soul. And when your body and your mind and your emotions and your relationships and your morals and your spirit are all working together, moving together, aligned together as they move toward God, you are a thriving soul. But when you don't take care of your body or your mind or your emotions or your relationships or your spirit, when all these parts of you are, are pulling in different directions, then you're a struggling soul. And if you are a struggling soul, then you need to be refreshed. The famous 23rd Psalm says this, the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This powerful passage of scripture reminds us that our great shepherd, the Lord our God, refreshes our souls. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
In the Old Testament, the psalmist tells us that God wants to refresh our souls. And in the New Testament, Jesus tells us that we can find rest for our souls when we follow him. According to the National Safety Council, and we mentioned this two weeks ago, and this was actually before COVID, and we assume that, that now in and beyond COVID that things are not better, they are probably worse, but before COVID, 97% of Americans had at least one of the major risk factors associated with chronic fatigue. And only one in seven Americans ever feel rested when they wake up in the morning. And that statistic was right before COVID. Even though we have negotiated our way to 40-hour work weeks and and five-day work weeks and weekends off and and several weeks of vacation every year, we are as tired as we have ever been. Using the language of Jesus, we are weary and burdened. And it is, at least in part, that we are not caring well for ourselves, for our souls, as God intends. Which brings us to our big idea for today. Here it is. If you want to refuel your tank, if you want to refuel your tank and run your engine more efficiently, then you're going to have to work hard at resting well. If you want to refuel your tank, rest well. If you want to run your engine more efficiently, rest well. If you want God to restore your soul, rest well. Tired of running on fumes? It might be time to rest well. You know, if you open up your Bible and and you read in the Gospel of Mark, you're going to notice something. Actually, you're you're probably not actually going to notice it unless you're looking for it. But now that I tell you, I think you're going to look for it. And you're going to notice how Jesus worked hard, and you're going to notice how Jesus rested well, and you're also going to notice how Jesus actually worked hard at resting well. Now, here's the reality. It takes hard work to rest well. Rest is not something that comes easily or naturally to hard-working people. It takes hard work to rest well. And in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus worked hard, Jesus rested well, and Jesus worked hard at resting well. And so in the gospel of Mark, among the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark wrote the shortest gospel. And the gospel of Mark is the shortest record of the life of Christ in the Bible. I mean, Mark gets to it and Mark gets through it. Mark is a fast mover. He, he tells less stories than other gospels. He shares less of the teachings of Jesus than other gospels. And then he uses less words to describe the stories and teachings of Jesus than the other gospels. Mark is a fast mover. It shouldn't surprise us then that one of Mark's favorite words, the word he uses most in his gospel, is the word immediately. Soulshepherding.org shares the following. They say, many Bible scholars say that Mark shares his gospel in a hurry. Indeed, his favorite expression is immediately, which he uses on 39 different occasions. He is so excited, in fact, to tell us about the death and resurrection of Jesus that he skips the story of Jesus' birth altogether. He shares the gospel much faster than any of the other gospel writers. And Mark is a fast mover. And in the gospel of Mark, Jesus is a fast mover. Let me just walk you through the first chapter of Mark to show you what we're talking about. Mark chapter 1, verse 12 says, at once. 
at once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. Mark chapter one, verse 20 says, without delay, he called them. Mark 1.29 says, as soon as they left the synagogue. Mark 1.42 says, immediately the leprosy left him. Mark 1.43 says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. And what is this? This is the language of movement. This is urgent language. This is the language of hard work. Jesus worked hard, but Jesus also rested well because right in the middle of all this urgent language, we find Mark 1.35, which says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And we can actually do this little exercise in nearly every chapter in Mark's gospel. You can go through and you can highlight the language of movement, the language of hard work, but you can also see where Jesus took time to rest well. Mark chapter six is another one of those chapters. Mark six, verse six says, Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Mark 6.45 says, immediately Jesus and his disciples got into the boat. Mark 6.50 says, immediately Jesus spoke to them. This is the urgent language of movement, language of hard work. But again, in the middle of all this urgency, we find Mark 6.31, which says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And Mark 6.46 says, after leaving them, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. Jesus worked hard, Jesus rested well, and Jesus worked hard at resting well. Now we need to work hard, but we also need to rest well. If we're going to refuel our tanks and run our engines more efficiently, then we're gonna need to make sure we are resting well. We need to work hard to rest well. In his book, Leading on Empty, and that book, by the way, is the inspiration for the sermon series. In his book, Leading on Empty, author and pastor Wayne Cordero writes the following. He says, we're never more vulnerable to depression and burnout than when we are totally fatigued and overtired. And then he says this. He says, one of the first steps to regaining a sense of resilience is rest. You know, I think one of the many reasons the 23rd Psalm is so well-known and so well-loved is because it's a psalm about resting our souls. In Psalm 23, King David writes, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the language of rest. And I think that's what draws us to this particular psalm, rest. But let's be honest, if we were penning the 23rd Psalm today, it would probably go something like this. The clock is my dictator, I shall not rest. 
It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into depression, it hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it done for my work ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My inbox overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. You know, if the 23rd Psalm revisited accurately captures the state of your soul and I think it powerfully applies to many of us, then what I wanna do is I wanna spend the rest of our discussion helping, the rest of our discussion helping us map out a path to a better place. And if your calendar rules your life and you can't get loose from it, if you can't get to sleep at night because you have too many things on your mind and you can't wake up the next morning because you couldn't sleep the night before, if you can't keep up with your kids, sports, school, homework, friends, activities, if you're 500 emails behind and staying up with your communications, if you don't have time for worship on the weekends, if there's no time to sit around the dinner table for at least 30 minutes with your family, then I wanna spend the next few minutes mapping out a path to a better place. And the first stop on the roadmap to a better place is called unlearning. Before we have to, before we can learn how to rest well, we have to unlearn some of the things that keep us from resting well. And one thing we're going to have to unlearn is the equation R plus R equals L. And if you're taking notes this morning, you might write that down, that we need to unlearn the equation R plus R equals L. Now, the equation R plus R equals L is often understood like this, rest plus Relaxation equals laziness. Personally, I, I come from a long line of workaholics. My grandpa Charlie had an entrepreneurial spirit. He had this incredible work ethic. He was always, always, always working. He didn't retire until he was well into his 70s. And he owned, at one particular time, he owned a construction company, a cattle company, a coal mining company, and an oil well, an oil company with a number of oil wells. He owned them all at the same time. And he passed on that incredible work ethic to my mom. It was work, work, work. In fact, one of my mom's favorite phrases was chop, chop. Like if we weren't moving fast enough, chop, chop, she would say. My parents were business owners themselves. They owned any number of businesses throughout their lives. Most were related to the construction industry. But the thing is, when you own your own business, you're always on, you're always working. You work from the time you wake up until the time you go to bed. You don't clock in and clock out. You don't leave your work at work. You bring it home. You're always working. My parents, like my grandpa Charlie, were always working. And they badly wanted their children, us kids, to learn that same work ethic. And seeing us when we were small, spending too much time around the television, they said, we know what we'll do, we'll buy a farm. 
And they bought an 80-acre tract of land and they filled it with cows and horses and chickens and goats and dogs and cats and gardens and all kinds of things to keep us working. And when you see that kind of work ethic demonstrated by the people you love and the people raising you and the people who have the most influence on your life, and when you're raised with that kind of work ethic, you just start to develop this idea that just sits deeply in your bones. Even though you know in your head that it's not true, you feel it in your heart and it's this idea that R plus R equals L. Rest plus relaxation equals laziness. And I don't know about you, but, but I actually feel the pangs of guilt if I don't do something tangibly productive every single day. And sometimes I'll even get out of bed at 9 p.m. and start doing laundry because I don't feel that I've accomplished enough. And even on my vacation days and my days off, I still take my, my laptop, my iPad, so I can stay engaged with my work. Because I spent 45 years believing R plus R equals L. And I know I need to unlearn this equation. Well, I wanna make two important points, they're theological points come straight from scripture. Here's the first one. Rest is not sinful. It's godly. It's godly. It's God-like. It's like God to rest well after working hard. In the story of creation, God worked for six days and then he rested on the seventh day. And that creation story is actually the foundation of the fourth of the 10 commandments. Exodus chapter 20, 10 commandments, verses nine through 11. The fourth commandment, it says this. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male or female servant nor your animals nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. When you work hard and then follow that up by resting well, you're walking in the footsteps of our creator. You're becoming more godly, more godlike, more like God when you work hard and then rest well. Rest is not sinful, it's godly. The second thing that's important to understand is rest, it's not, it's not lazy. It's actually a gift. It's another of God's gifts to us, but he knew we would be hesitant to accept it, so he didn't just say, here you go. He said, I'm gonna have to command this of you because I want you to rest. When we don't rest, we reject God's gift to us. About the Sabbath, Leviticus 23, 31, and 32 tells us, and you shall do no work at all. This will be a lasting ordinance for generations to come wherever you live. It is a day of Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. See, the Sabbath rest, it wasn't a recommendation from God to the ancient Hebrews. It was a command from God to the ancient Hebrews. And on it, he said, you shall do no work at all. You must deny yourselves, he said. God recognized how hard it would be for hardworking people to take a day off. And so he commanded it. He said, you must deny yourselves because he knows we'll actually have to discipline ourselves to not work at least one day a week. Does R plus R really equal L? Well, R plus R equals more 
laughter, maybe. R plus R equals longer life, more likely. R plus R equals lasting relationships. Workaholics aren't very good at relationships. But R plus R does not equal laziness. And if that equation is part of your DNA, then perhaps it's time to unlearn it. And the first stop on the roadmap to a better place is called unlearning. The second stop on the roadmap to a better place is called scheduling. In order to keep your schedule from ruling you, your calendar from consuming you, your business from defeating you, then you're going to have to, and you might say, well, this sounds all very ironic, but it's true, you're going to have to schedule rest, relaxation, sleep, and Sabbath into your calendar. It's kind of like how Janice, my wife, that there have been some times in the past during some of my really busy seasons where Janice said, "Uh, do I need to make an appointment with you? And sometimes the answer to her question was yes. Because we have to be strategic about the most important things. If you don't schedule time for friends, it won't happen. If you don't schedule time for family, it won't happen. If you don't schedule time for rest, relaxation, sleep, and Sabbath, then it won't happen. Or if it does happen, it won't happen well. For hardworking people, rest, relaxation, sleep, and Sabbath have to be taken by force. So let me give you three challenges related to working hard, resting well, and working hard at resting well. And these are our our takeaways for today. Here's the first one. Schedule rest and relaxation for your family's health. For your family's health, schedule rest and relaxation. Schedule time in your busy schedules just to rest and relax with your family. What we're talking about is strategically planning family time together. And I'm not talking about in the car on the way to soccer practice. Be intentional, just pick something. I don't know, make Saturday nights movie nights and make it a non-negotiable. We don't schedule anything else. Saturday nights, family movie night. I don't know. But do this, make sure you budget time and money. When you put together your annual budget, budget time and money for an R&R with your family and especially for vacation. Put it in your schedule, plan for it well ahead of time or it won't happen. Schedule rest and relaxation with your family. Here's the second thing. Schedule sleep. For your physical health, schedule sleep. Now here's what, here's what happens with most of us. Most of us go to bed whenever we happen to go to bed and then we wake up whenever the alarm rings in our head. Am I right? And the only way to get some extra sleep is to do what? You hit the, the snooze button. Or you just turn off the alarm and sleep in. That, that's... Sleeping backwards, by the way. I mean, did you know that you could actually sleep in every single day and still get up on time? How do you do that? By scheduling sleep. You schedule sleep on the front side of your night, not the back side of your night, which is scientifically the best way anyway. If you don't get sleep, good sleep, deep sleep, which only happens in the early hours of the night, not the late hours, then you're hurting your short-term health and your long-term health. So schedule sleep for your physical health. And here's the third thing. Schedule Sabbath for your spiritual health. For your spiritual health, schedule 
Sabbath. God took a day of rest after six days of work. God commanded the people in the Old Testament to take one day to rest and to worship him. It was the last day of every week. It was Saturday. In the New Testament, it's Sunday. But the principle is the same today. You need a day every week to worship God. A day a week to worship God is not optional for the followers of Jesus Christ. Certainly shouldn't be optional, that is. And just like seven to eight hours should be part of your nightly sleep pattern, just like three healthy meals should be part of your daily eating habits, just like one day every week of rest should be part of your weekly work habits, so also a day every week for worship should be part of your spiritual habits. Schedule Sabbath for your spiritual health. I have to, I have to tell you this morning, um, <clears throat> I'm not a very good counselor. I'm just, I'm, you know, Jimmy, Pastor Jimmy, he is a phenomenal counselor. Like he'll come into my office and sit for an hour and, and he, just, he just drops so many good things. I'll be, Jimmy, you're such a good counselor. I'm not a very good counselor. In part because I, sometimes I th- see things uh, like really simply, sometimes very black and white and not always with a great deal of compassion. And, and so somebody might come to me and they'll say they're miserable or whatever. And I'll be like, well, stop making stupid choices and you won't be so miserable. <laughs> okay, I don't say that. I might think it, I don't say it. It's probably true. I know it is for me. Or somebody will come in and say, Matt, I'm just I'm unhappy and I'm unhealthy and, and I don't know why. And I'll say, well, are you getting seven to eight hours sleep at night? And say, no, I'm, I'm uh, streaming episodes of Yellowstone back to back to back every night. Are you eating whole healthy foods every day? No, I do McDonald's drive through Are you scheduling quality time with your kids and with your spouse every week? No, I'm way too busy for that. I haven't even been on my, a date with my wife in the last two months. Have you been in church lately? Are you making a priority of your spirituality? Oh, too busy for that. Don't have time for church most weekends. The other reason I'm not a great counselor, confession time. Because sometimes it's just hard for me to practice what I preach. Sorry about that. But it's true. And this is one of those areas where it's just hard for me to practice what I preach. I I gotta tell you, I've been in church work for 25 years and I love it and it's the honor of my life, but it's hard work. And yes, we do work more than one day every week. (laughs) Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, it's hard work. It's worthy work, it's good work, but it's hard work. And so I've been in church work for 25 years and my favorite Bible verse, my favorite verse in the whole Bible is Jeremiah 12, five. Here's what it says. It says, if you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you run with horses? love that verse. It's so motivated. I mean, how do you read that? Not just because your heart pumping and you want to go to work. I love that verse. Like that's the way I want to live. I want to be on the edge of a cliff running full speed, running with the horses. But I have to confess, it's been awful hard on me. And it's been awful hard on my wife and my marriage and my family and even on my coworkers at times, 
And I gotta tell you, I was just feeling so worn out six months ago, eight months ago, a year ago, I was leading this large church for 15 years and then, and, and then COVID struck and it all got that much harder and I was like, I'm worn out, I'm tired out. You know what I'm gonna do? I, I have this phenomenal idea and God has opened this door. I'm gonna move to the, to the south, to the sunshine, to the warm weather and all that energy from serving a new ministry, that's gonna, I'm gonna kick it into a new gear and it's gonna refuel me. You heard what I said, right? I'm so tired. I'm so worn out. What shall I do? Move to a new job. Run faster. Work harder. And now I find myself these past few weeks preparing for this sermon saying, oh Jesus, please help me. And so I don't speak to you today as any expert at all but as a fellow traveler saying, yes, we have to work hard, but we also have to rest well. And if you are anything like me, it takes hard work to rest well. God, help us all. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for being our great shepherd, the one who shows us greener pastures, who leads us beside quiet waters, who restores our souls. May we discover the secret to happy life and a healthy soul that is resting in you and because of you and because of what you have done for us. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.